Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we talk about two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes we achieve outstanding pairings, and other times we give ourselves the opportunity to watch the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am your co-host, Carlos Cooper, with me as always. Joe Hilliard, Imperial. <laughs> Imperial Joe Hilliard. Yeah. And I am Dave Gurney. Don't forget the Imperial. Yeah. Uh, and we are here today to talk beer and movies as usual. And we as will, per usual. Yeah. We will be talking about a very recent release uh, that, that was kind of released in an unconventional way, uh, brought to us by the creative mind of Donald Glover, otherwise known as Childish Gambino. But before we get to his newest work... Well, we, you should say what it's called. Guava Island. There we go. Um, which is very tropical in its theme, and you know this idea of this tropical island uh, that, that the characters live on. Um, we're going to be having a little tropical beer pairing here. This is from Destination Unknown Brewing, or Destination Unknown Beer Company, and this is out of their IPA series called Science of Selling Out. It is the Pina Colada variation. This is an IPA, or I guess we would call it a milkshake IPA because it has mm. lactose. It also has pineapple, coconut, and vanilla to hopefully achieve some semblance of a pina colada. Now the can just says the science of selling pina colada. You're right. You're right. But apparently the series of IPAs g- gets called the science of selling out. So I don't know if I'm that gets it. tagged on. It's someone. a very interesting title. I, yeah. I mean, I, I I do have a uh, pineapple tattoo, so this is that's right. Right in. Right in my sweet spot. And I love making love at midnight. Uh, <laughs> and walks I, in the rain. I was going to say, I've been caught in the rain a time or two. Yeah? A time or two. Uh, yeah, I I mean, as if you are a regular listener of the show, you will know that I do love a milkshake IPA. Actually, I love any beer that has lactose in it for whatever You've reason. You've converted me to the milkshake uh, IPA, Carlos. I love milkshake IPAs. I you like, love I like it. milk stouts. Yeah, your uh, love of it has forced me to taste it again and again. And i got to tell you, I'm a milkshake IPA guy now. Yeah, and I right. love pineapple and coconut more than anything. I think uh, on the Humber episode, I did go on record saying that I was a slut for coconut. <laughs> so this, I mean, you really, and, and you really you know, hit all my notes here. Honestly, this may be the first IPA that I've had that's had coconut incorporated. <sighs> Usually, it comes in on a stout or a porter. Yeah, you smell that? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That's nice. That's nice. I'm definitely getting a tropical vibe. I feel like it's getting tropical in here. And David, do we know anything about Destination Unknown Beer Company? (laughs) All I know is that they have a terrible website (laughs) that uh, tells me very little, but they are from New York. I've done some web developing, so if they'd like to hire me. Yeah, right. If you're listening, guys, we're probably going to like your beer, but uh, but you could do, do a lot better on your web design. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna sip on this and talk about Guava Island. We're gonna the, the the floral scent of pina colada take us to Guava Island. Right, a, a beautiful place. Right. Um, so so Guava Island, as I said, um, sort of an unconventional release here, right? Because this was something that I guess there was some buzz about, right? There was these rumors floating around that uh, that Donald Glover uh, was working on a film project with Rihanna. Was it last summer or something? And this was uh, just after This Is America and... uh, Amazing video. And what was the other big... the, the other one that dropped that had the animated video. That was that Feels Like Summer. Feels Like Summer. So that's same said. Same director of This Is America for Guava, right. Guava Island. Yeah. So Right, right. So so you have this kind of moment here where there's, there's this stuff coming out. Nobody quite knows what it's attached to. And there's these rumors percolating. Well, lo and behold, not quite a year later um, at Coachella, right? Yeah. The, this... this uh, feature. 55 which, minutes. Which is a short feature, yeah. but still a, f- a feature film is premiered yeah and uh called guava island which uh, was done in conjunction with amazon studios so pretty quickly thereafter just a couple days later it became available on amazon no, prime the second he finished his set at coachella it became available at midnight on i guess i guess 12 1 a.m saturday it was pre- free for 18 hours he performed yeah because he performed oh, to anybody uh, even if you weren't to, a prime to anybody for 18 oh, hours okay. he he performed friday night at midnight that night it went on amazon 18 hours for free okay 
Well, and, and still now, if you're a Prime subscriber, you can still watch it. You can watch it. So anybody who's listening, if you haven't seen this already, you can very easily uh, pause this episode and go go watch uh, Guava Island. And I'm sure if you're not a Prime subscriber, you can pay for it, right? Sure, I'm sure. I, yeah. I mean, it'd be yes. crazy if you couldn't. Yeah. So, um, but but this you know kind of unconventional release here, um, or maybe. I should say it's getting closer to something that's a new convention right. and, and getting things out, but um, but nonetheless, a project that was definitely uh, you know spearheaded by Donald Glover in partnership with his brother Stephen, who who sort of wrote the screenplay here. Doesn't he write for Atlanta too? Yes, okay. right, and and he's done some other projects as well, um, and in in collaboration with also another one who frequently uh, had worked on several episodes of Atlanta, and yeah. as you mentioned, videos for Childish Gambino, Hero. Murai, Murai. I think so. Saying that right? Um, that uh, it, it's it's essentially a story set on an island where you have this couple that's uh, in love, and uh, the the male is a singer songwriter, free spirit um, artist, free spirited yeah. artist, right? Who who's never buttons his shirt. Never. <laughs> Well, why would you on Guava? I mean, if I were Donald Glover, I wouldn't buy my shirt. Yeah, why would you? Yeah, you're into his body. Who uh, have you seen it? Every everything. I'm into everything. He's got the Isaac Hayes thing going on, and he's (laughs) he's the last comparison I would make. A young Isaac Hayes. I've heard Fela Kuti. Okay, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's who I feel like uh, he's most reminiscent of. In I guess I get Isaac Hayes because when he first came into his like funk era of Childish Gambino on. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, yeah, the way with the gold chains and everything that uh-huh. he was wearing, yeah, it just gave me a real Isaac Hayes vibe. Huh, I could get that, but he doesn't have the beard. Doesn't have the beard. Well, have the beard. He has a bit of a beard. Yeah, but it's not the Isaac Hayes. It's beard. not the Isaac no. Hayes beard. So, so but, but, yeah. <laughs> you have this young couple, the the free spirited artist, but both of them are working stiffs. I mean, let's face it, that's that's kind of what their thing is. And um, what's well, what everyone thing is because of the oppressive nature of capitalism. That's right. And uh, but but they also, you know, his main goal in life is to is to provide joy is to is to bring a good time to people and he wants to stage this festival um where you know people are going to be able to celebrate and dance and and enjoy themselves but uh the oppressive uh sort of uh capitalist uh overlord of this island uh, island is dead set against that because it will damage productivity yeah because if if people party at that night they won't come to work the next day that's right that's right so, um, so what this film is, you know, the core conflict is this sort of free-spirited, artistic sort of celebration of life. Who, who versus... is singing songs on the radio every day for the whole island to hear. Right. Yeah. And he, is, is, is leading them in with joy in the songs, yeah. and they'll right. applaud when the song is over. Right. He's, he's a key figure in that community. Um, also, there there is a little bit of folklore that goes into it beforehand. That's true. That Guava Island was this like kind of utopian place where everybody was happy and everything was perfect, mm-hmm. and then they discover this beautiful blue silk, which eventually beauty corrupts man. Uh, it's commodified. It's taken over. The people of the island are forced to like spin this silk or whatever. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. For, forced into essentially servitude. And, and, yeah. and Donald Glover says to, to Rihanna, his, his, his love, Uh-huh. Uh, we live in paradise, but we don't have the time or the means to live. Right. And that is... We don't uh, have the time or the means to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, the truth for them. Because while they live there, they're obligated to make a living, and the only living to be made is to do factory work, basically. Yeah, right? to either for spin the, the silk or yeah. work for red cargo. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, a fairly... Um, it, it's an allegorical tale. It's a paper-thin right? plot. It is. But, yeah. But, but, really... A vehicle for the music of Donald Glover, to a degree, yeah, yeah with, without a doubt. I don't know, to a degree. I think that's explicitly its sole purpose. Yeah, but, but why have the plot otherwise? I mean, it, it, it it's it's using it's him using his music to tell a story that he wants to tell. Yeah, and the question is, does he do a good job telling the story with? his music and and, and okay. everything else yeah you you are correct about that because the song this is america does have a very clear message that it's trying to send uh-huh. before this guava island iteration of it came out so i yeah i do think that you're right that guava island he's using those songs to basically expound upon the ideas presented in this tell the story america. visually in a, yeah. in a film in film mode. yeah in a narrative more structured way uh-huh. than you know maybe so how did he do I thought he did a good job. I mean, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I was um, I was captivated. Um, 
when it ended, I didn't feel like I just sat there for an hour. Uh, partly because I know some of those songs already and I enjoyed them a great deal. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that there was an ample amount of suspense that was built. Uh, uh, they did that was done well. Um, I did care about the characters. Uh, you know, was it the best movie I've ever seen? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, definitely wasn't, but, um, did I like it a lot and did, I mean, I watched it a second time today and I still enjoyed it just as much as I did the first time. The only, Part of it that I didn't is I just skipped that whole first animated part because I didn't I don't need that right yeah but yeah. Uh, but that's only on the second there's video. a five minute animated intro that kind yeah, of tells you the, the story, the story it gives you the folklore and the yeah. back lore right yeah. or the backstory and everything like that it, and it's beautifully um, made it is it is exquisite yeah. um, but I mean I guess I was rewatching it just to freshen sure because I I watched it the first weekend that it was out. Yeah. Like as soon as I had time, because I think that was Record Store Day weekend too, so it took me a second. And you're days. in love with Childish Gambino. I think um, that. As he, everyone should be. Yeah, I think he's one of the greatest artists of our time. And you have won me over with that. I, yeah, definitively. I think that there he has a, a, the widest range of skills, and he is not just good at one of them, he's incredible at all of them. From being a comedic actor, I mean, you can go, I mean, go back to Derek Comedy on YouTube. Like, I still reference some of those videos, because hmm. they were so impactful, and they were so memorable and so funny. Yeah. To 30 Rock, Community, Atlanta, his stand-up comedy, his very very first beginnings as a rapper which were okay right. i don't well, love the first and, stuff, and that but. was you know for me you know I, and i missed i guess you're, you're talking about he had some early comedy videos he, on youtube he started like out a as a comedy troupe or yeah something. he started out as a, a youtube creator and he was in this group called Derek comedy and um they i mean they're one of their most popular sketches would be very taboo today okay um because of the subject matter that it kind of you know makes light of or whatever but but yeah, they just had this series of videos. There was, I mean, there was one he did uh, where he played this like old school hip hop head that refused to adapt to the newer styles, yeah. which really is relevant today. But he was so into being a b boy yeah. and like so into that era of hip hop that he had his arms surgically crossed <laughs> in a b boy stance <laughs> to where Aww. he could not move them. And he was like, he was like, nah. Why would I ever need to be in anything but a b-boy stance? And you know, what, whatever. He's like, oh, he's like, great. he's like, that's hip hop. That's hip hop. And they're like, but how are you gonna rap? How, <laughs> how are you gonna hold the mic? And he's like, put it in my mic crevice. <laughs> and, I mean, it's just such classic stuff. That's like, great. and it's so like. Well, I'll have to go back and look at that. It's, that's, it's, that's, I mean, and he's but young. I, but I knew him mostly from Community. Yeah. That that Which was he's how, great in. You know, the he, whole Levar Burton thing is so he good. He is. But it, but it's funny because I remember knowing him from Community. Um, and thinking, okay, this is a talented young actor. This is, you know, good, but it's Dan Harmon's show and it's written by, you know, like, so thinking like he's, he can serve good material and hearing some of that early childish Gambino, what was the first record? I can't even, the first record was camp. But yes. there was a mixtape that blew up before. That. I didn't hear that. I heard Camp. That, that, that was and I remember Camp thinking, isn't good. Yeah, I remember thinking, ah, oh, there's some okay like verses in there. It's Heartbeat like, has an amazing hook, which okay, yeah, he shows pretty early on. Only you get a brief glimpse of the right. incredible pop artist that he has mm-hmm. the ability to be. Uh, but yeah, you're. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, there's some okay verses. And but then um, and and so kind of dismissing it and and really not really paying attention to the subsequent release was it because the the, because the right after that amazing and, album but hearing from people top 10 hearing from people who i really respected including you and and uh and my friend dale who like that no God, this is amazing like next level hip-hop you should yeah. be listening to this guy he's he is the guy like you may like chance the rapper but this guy is and they, something else, and they're they're on each other's records from that period. It's right, chances right, on, right. Uh, and and I was more of a chance person, but but it was really for me. Awake my love, awaken my love, awaken my love. That album, when I heard that and heard him go that funk route, yeah. and get really deep into it, I it blew my mind. I had no yeah. idea. Atlanta was right around that time. Yeah. And that obviously, and it's just one of seeing the, this yeah. guy grow, or or at least. I mean, like you say, I guess it was always there, and it's yeah. just, but like in my awareness, hone into it at least. I mean, he did he, grow. 
it, and, and like you say, it, it seems like at this point, everything he touches is great. And I would include this yeah. in that. Because no, for sure. Now, I agree with Joe. This isn't like a deep, sort of complex, narrative-driven kind of film. Well, with 55 minutes and 20 minutes of it being musical. Easily. More there's than. There's 35 yeah. minutes of yeah. narrative story here. Yeah. And but this and, is my kind of musical. But yeah. they do a great job <laughs> with that 35 minutes delivering... What's well, essentially a very simple story. Yeah. It, it, but that's what I like. It has this feel of a folk tale. It's shot in Cuba, and I think they use the setting really nicely. It's, yeah. it's got that kind of like... It's a beautiful thing to look at. Right. Like this gorgeous kind of, uh, you know, just tropical color feel palette, to it. Color palette. Yeah. Nice color palette. That The... the um, I don't know what it how to describe it, but like things are run down just enough uh-huh. that they're they're not like depressing and decrepit. They're just like slightly tattered and beautiful. And so I don't know. It's just like the the visuals of it are really pleasing, and the the music, which I was already familiar with several of the songs yeah. because they had been released in these other versions. Um, it's just some of the best music he's ever made. I mean, This Is America, when it came out last year, unquestionably was one of my favorite songs of 2018. And so mm-hmm. to see it in this context yeah. and how it functions as part of this story, yeah. it was beautiful. I, I really enjoyed getting to see all of that come together. But, well, right. And the story, of course, is the oppressive nature of... Pure capitalism and the idea that uh, one of the joys in life is to to have creative release yeah, and to art. have create our art our escape uh, from capitalism right and, and access to art and the ability to create art yeah and and he does a great job with this little thing it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun and I, I I told people if you're looking for an hour to kill looking yeah. at, want to see something pretty. Which Watch this movie. Pretty also, and somewhat insightful. I mean, I think yeah. like getting you to force... I mean, it's not a new critique of capitalism, but anything that kind of puts that spotlight on the fact that, okay, commodifying everything and boiling everything down to its, its use value and what you're going to be able to derive out of it in terms of its sort of economic uh, you know, importance... It, it misses a huge part of what the human experience is. And there's is. a human price for that often. Yes. Yeah, there is. Um, to go back to uh, what David said about This Is America being one of your favorite songs from last year, it, it was one of mine as well. Um, but during the This Is America sequence in this film, I, I was watching it, and it was during that sequence that I changed my stance from him being one of the greatest artists of our generation to also being one of the greatest performers of our generation which goes back to the dan Harmon community thing like he's a performer in that mm-hmm. he's not a writer or creator mm-hmm. and he's brilliant in it but i mean the man can fucking dance like, yeah i mean yeah. and it's and it's not just he's not just following steps like he's emoting in it as well like his face like the everything he's doing in it Posture. is amazing yeah and you know the fact that he's probably backed up by like professional dancers and that he's stealing the show mm-hmm. not having not just like falling back on their abilities to be great but right. i mean that sequence is amazing like the choreography the direction of it the way that it kind of inserts itself in and uses real diegetic cues in the music yeah um the way that it advances that part of the narrative i mean if, it's it's I mean it's brilliantly executed. Yeah, and and it, I think I think throughout the film, like it, that sequence is standout. I agree, but throughout it, like just the way like his physicality in it, like the way he carries himself, yeah. is is really fun to watch. Like yeah. he's just got like a it's really fun. yeah he he's got yeah. a great kind the of summertime magic sequence. Yeah, that it, that he's sort of dropped into in this film. Now, if I have s- some criticism here, I think I know what it's going to be. It feels it is so focused on him okay. that it's to the detriment. I mean, come on, Rihanna is in here. Yeah, L- um, L- Letitia Wright is in here. Um, 
Nanso and Nancy. I mean, and they're not you, given much to do. No, they no, aren't. I mean, it. they if if there's a paper thinness to it, it's that yeah. there is absolutely no development of any of the other characters or any opportunity for the other ones to show their talents. Rihanna does get developed way. a little bit as a character, a little bit, just because she has that really nice moment at the end. Yeah, uh, right. And she looks so gorgeous. Oh That's, yeah, the cinematography is so nice. Um, the colors are so nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her costuming's fantastic, yeah. uh, but. But, but the yeah. fact that she's not singing. Really. I was going to say, mean, the fact that, that she is, isn't a, a, one of the biggest pop artists in the world and isn't given a lot musically to do. And is given the opportunity to do it in the... In the I mean, uh, you would think that Donald Glover, being the polymath that he is, being this, like, you know, sort of protean figure yeah. who just seems to have so And pulling the talent together that he did... Wouldn't he have wanted right. to have written some... Right. A duet or, you know, like some yeah. something that could have put and, some of these... I don't know. Was there 30 more minutes of material to make it a 90-minute film? Perhaps. I don't know. I mean, plot-wise, probably not. Well, I think you could have if you would develop some but of those But bringing Rihanna in to, yeah. to, to sing to sing it. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So, th- so I mean, that... Enjoyable, that, fun. Uh, a fun little hour. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I mean, it's, it's, like I said, if there's a criticism, I mean, I enjoy what this is for what it is, but there was a part of me that was seeing those other... Those other figures that I knew and and knew have the talent and like, okay, but we're not tapping into those resources in the way that it probably would have been fairly easy to do. There's not many scenes. So, I mean, when I point out a scene, I know that you'll recall it immediately, but that's when he's moving uh, through the city and we're seeing the city and then he's uh, potentially mugged by little boys that he knows. Uh-huh. And he and he says, "Look, don't mug me. Uh, first of all, I know it's you, yeah. but don't mug me. And if you don't, if you don't mug me, I'll give you some good seats to that festival right. this evening." And they see the value in that because they have a life that's not probably that great. And if you're going to give me art, if you're going to give me beauty, if you're going to give me access to those things, mm-hmm. then certainly what a deal. Yeah, and that's part of the essential message of the film. What can art? What can life? What can music? What can dance do to elevate ourselves out of any negative? life that, that, that we're living. Yeah. Where is the place of art and beauty when it comes to the work grind, the rat race? Yeah. The, and, and, and I think the three of us in this room are unanimous that film and music and life are the reasons why we're here. Right, right. Yeah. And, and $1.2 billion opening weekends. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, this, I, I don't think this movie did that. No. Uh, one thing I did like about this movie is it is a tragedy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and yeah. We're we're focusing on like the beauty and happiness and light of it, but yes, you're right. This is it does at its not core, end well. a tragic story. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I like I like that direction of it because it would be a lot easier probably for them to try to end it well for mm-hmm. our protagonist, and it's a more conventional route to follow. Right. Um, but they chose not to do that. And I think it makes it a much more compelling and impactful story. Well, that's only it makes well, it last. Longer. It's the message of the film, which yeah. what what wins? Yeah, the right. oppressive regime or the the art and the life. And if you right. if you present the film as these lights can be snuffed out, these candles can be dimmed, then 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 you you give the audience what is your role in all of this? Yeah, right. Because the whole community comes out. At the right, end. and that's the. Power I was going to say, like, art does win out. Yeah, but right. it's only through the we sacrifice. got our we, we got our day now. now yeah. n- n- and ha- I mean, I'm okay with it, right? But obviously, this positions Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, I guess whatever we want to think of him. I mean that that is one of the, I guess, tricky things about this is obviously the in the past. Yeah, well, it, but I was going to say in the past, it seems like he's compartmentalized his his musical output has been Childish Gambino his. You know, film and TV stuff has been Donald Glover. Here, it seems like we kind of have a melding of the two because yeah. here he is as a film actor, but he's portraying a, a singer, songwriter who is performing songs that we know to be Childish Gambino song. You know, so it, it seems like it kind of draws those two together. But however we think about it, Childish Gambino, Donald Glover is essentially a Christ figure, right? I mean, like, that's... This isn't, like, a, a stretch to say he he dies okay. for the sins of this society sure. so that then yeah, the yeah. people can live yeah, a he's a, life. right. Yeah. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up in this conversation that 
this is not the first time that Childish Gambino and Hiro Mirai, is that how we said we're going to pronounce yeah, his name? Yeah. Uh, it's not the first time that they have made a musical film of this variety. Really? Though slightly different and presented in separate installments, there was a series of videos done for a lot of the singles on Because the Internet Oh. that tells a story in a very similar way, actually, almost in the exact same way, honestly, because a couple of the videos do have some longer intros that don't have music in them. But he weaves this narrative via his music in the Because the Internet singles that's this ma- it's this massive allegory that spans like six or seven six videos i think about what it's like being black in or his experience with blackness in america uh-huh. and the idea of like not fitting in with either side of the equation how it's like to be viewed as an outsider how it is to try to uh hold on to some kind of innocence when the entire like society is looking at you and uh already putting certain attributes on you because of the color of your skin and you know things like that and it goes from the worst guys the chance the rapper uh song all the way through uh the single from the Kawhi ep sober and i want to say so it's uh worst guys 3005 and i'm probably getting this out of order um sweatpants telegraph ave uh, sober, and I think there's one more in there that I missed. Um, but it's same, all those videos, same director, still Childish Gambino, still his music, still telling an allegorical story about some kind of social issue. Mm-hmm. And when I put all of that together, I don't know. I don't know how many times I can say this is the moment that, uh, <laughs> you know, I really I became like it even more. A, a Childish Gambino fan. But he just, but it's because he keeps doing all of this incredible stuff. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a thing. And if what you, was your take of him in the solo? Oh, well, hold on before I get to that. Um, we'll get to it now. If uh, if you want to read more or find out more about what I'm talking about, you can go. You can Google it, and there's a noisy article that breaks it all down, and it has each video embedded in it, so you can read, watch the video, read, go to the next one, huh? etc. So th- um, I will is, I will post that, Joe. Thank you for that. I liked him in Solo. Called Clapping the, for the Wrong Reasons? He directed that on, shot it on an iPhone way before Steven Soderbergh did his mm-hmm. iPhone movie, and his is lit well, Childish Gambino's <laughs> is. Um, but yeah, it was... But also directed by Hiro Mur- Murai, and, uh, but the, and that one was written. Okay, I was, gotta watch that. that was I, like, I had no idea that that had... Uh, yeah. yeah, it's... That one... Uh, that one's a little obtuse, maybe. It's okay. like, you know, very. I don't. There's not really a lot of any music in it necessarily, yeah. um, and that was in the because of the internet uh, era. Um, and I, I mean, I think it's good. I think it's interesting. And uh-huh. the screenplay that came with because of the internet when you bought the vinyl copy of it. I don't know if you've ever read that. No. It's a pretty good screenplay. It follows the story of the album basically. Okay. Uh, and that was when he took a break from social media and he was really getting into how that particular development has impacted our lives and our abilities to connect with people and the way that we view the world and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. he touches on things like the exploitative nature of world star hip hop and uh, the feelings of isolation that comes with like having so many followers but no real close friends, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so he was exploring all of those uh, topics in that screenplay and on that album. Yeah. Um, and it's been a long time since I've seen Clapping for the Wrong Reasons. That's what you said it was called. Yeah. yeah. Clapping for the Wrong Reasons. Um, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it, so I can't really speak on it at this juncture. But uh, uh, but it's, but it, but there but is precedent. The, I, so, I, I, but it does but seem... I do remember liking it. But clearly, this one is a more sort of... Uh, audience friendly yes for, it is much more it's, digestible it's than any uh, of the work they did before a little bit more uh yeah the, the, straightforward yeah absolutely so that so that's interesting i'm wondering that i hope that the soundtrack gets released for this actually do you know if, if it's gonna I, be i have not heard anything okay all right well um, I, I do have the beach bum on order joe thank you i'm excited I will about that. 
So the, let's um, we're going to talk some more about um, films that have featured musical artists and, and sort of been sort of projects of those artists uh, here in in the second half. But before we get there, um, as we wrap up our convo about Guava Island, let's talk a little bit about the science of selling pina coladas. What do you guys think of this one? New New England IPA brewed with pineapple, coconut, vanilla, and lactose. Seven point two ABV. Carlos. It's so fucking good. You liked it? It's so good. I know you liked the nose on it. You were sniffing it for a good five minutes. Yeah, I did. I did sniff it quite a bit, and it tastes as advertised. Did by you? The nose. You thought I so? Thought, yeah, I love it. I'm impressed with it. I mean, I'm. I like. Uh, I like coconut. I like pineapple. I got both in there, and very smooth. Great, sort of like you know, as you would want in a milkshake IPA. That kind of thicker mouthfeel. Right. Um, if I could get this in town, that would be trouble. Yeah. I, I would so? definitely be yeah. drinking this on a regular basis. Pina Colada is not my frozen beverage on the beach of choice. I'll tell you that. I'm not what a, is, what, I'm what not is it? A is big it margarita? Or are you a, oh, if we're going to go with a frozen cocktail, yeah. I'd do like a rum runner. Oh, okay. yeah, like a, a yeah. This fucking guy. But that, yeah, I know, right? Because I just I, I'm not a huge coconut and pineapple fan. I'm not going to your tiki bar. But knowing Ever. that, no, no, dude, my tiki bar is pina coladas for everybody. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, right, I mean, okay. you can. I'm going to make what you want oh, if that's what you, you want. Thank it's you. just not my favorite. That's all. Yeah, a coconut porter is not my go-to porter. Mm-hmm. Coconut's okay. not a thing for me. Yeah, but oh. but that said. I'll drink a pina colada if you hand me one. Uh-huh. And yeah, this beer was uh, was pretty dang delicious. And it had a a danky uh, at the end. It had like a, a kick at the end that, yeah. that, that brought the IPA back into the whole thing. Yeah. I really enjoyed this beer very much. I'd, I'd be curious to know. Destination Unknown uh, Beer Company is clearly spending more time on their beer than their website. And, and, clearly. And this beer tastes delicious. Where yeah. is this out of again? New York. New York. Yeah, New City? York State. New York, oh, New York State. State. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have actually been enjoying this so much that I'm consciously drinking it as slowly as I possibly can. Yeah, I, 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 drank, I drank it yeah. way too fast. Yeah. So what, when we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, fi- musicians that that, that, that that came of their own in a film version. Right. That, that well, found... Know, came of their not, own. Not necessarily came, yeah, but... say but, that very well. We'll be talking about... Slightly autoerotic. <laughs> they, they came upon themselves. What? <laughs> we better not be pouring a gosa. <laughs> <laughs> they... Uh, <laughs> God, these second episodes always get loopy. Yeah. Um, no, we're, we're going to be talking about films uh, that have been sort of passion projects, let's say, of musicians, or or at the very least, vehicles for those musicians to get their music out there um, to an audience in some way, visually. Wonderful. That goes beyond just the typical music video. Can't wait. When we return. We are going into. He was oh, was he bringing us back? Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. You already did. It. Let's go. <laughs> oh, you go. No, you no, go. no. You already did. It. Let's go. I'm keeping all this. <laughs> okay, we're back. We are going to talk, as we said, about some uh, other musicians that have found themselves front and center in films and sort of featuring their music. And before we do that, though, we want to get another beer in our glasses. And what we're going to do, since we're looking at star turns in films, these uh, musicians who are already stars in pop music going into films, we are going to sip on Anchorage Brewing Company's Star Dragon. Anchor Brewage Company sounds familiar. We had an Anchorage (laughs) brew just a few episodes back when we were uh, reviewing Us, the, the newest Jordan Peele film. And that, Ooh, that beer of theirs was called Within Us. So we, we thought the tie-in there was good. And that was a double IPA. This one, my friend, amps it up. It is a Triple? quadruple. Quadruple. Quadruple of what? Quadruple. Uh, as we talked about then, I think, or at least on some episode, when we're talking about those doubles, triples, quadruples, we're often talking about amping up the malt bill, essentially. Like, we're putting in that much more malt. We're doubling it. We're tripling it. We're quadrupling it, which results in more sugars that the yeast eat up. And once the yeast eat them up, they 
put out more alcohol so. and more and more flavor. I mean, uh, more flavor, more malt in the in the boil. Right. So so we're gonna get that maltier yeah. flavor. So the it, I I always I always assume the double, triple, quadruple thing had to do with the hop quantity. Well, they often do to help balance out the malts. They, oh, okay. You will amp that up, but it's really the malt bill that's most that's the main focus. Because um, that creates the sugar, and then yeah, right. And so in this case, it gets it all the way up to eleven point four percent alcohol. Hot damn! So nice. th- this is very high octane when it comes to anything that we would think of as an IPA. And I got to tell you, this is the second time that I remember Anchorage Brewing having beautiful art on their credit they really do i gotta find out who their artist is but they i mean across the board when i look at their uh their can label art it's it's some of the best out there very sort of gothic and uh how important is that is to you when you're shopping important yeah i don't know a bad label i was gonna say i wish it was more important when i'm shelf shopping usually the selection wherever i am is limited enough that i'm kind of i probably go more on style than i do label art but I love it when I see something that's eye-catching. and, and I just uh, love a company that pulls me in markets there. itself really well. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the beer's got to, of course, follow suit. I mean, I, I would say, you know, back in the day here in uh, Corpus Christi when we used to get Jester King, that mm-hmm. was one of the first that really kind of knocked me back when I would see their labels and I would think, oh, these are like really beautiful, right. beautiful labels that I was seeing. Um, there aren't a whole lot of breweries that I feel like really put the time in but but there are some and i think and it, and it seems like anchorage based on uh on the couple that we've seen uh have Great. that, yeah, have that going. Yeah, i can't wait to get into this one so so when we're talking about these star turns i mean i feel like you know we could go chronologically somewhat but i i mean this has been going on in popular music for a long long time i mean this elvis's movies yeah, I, was gonna say, right. I mean elvis we, the beatles yes so we could we could BG. talk about the elvis uh tie-in film that, that you know how many did there. he do like I don't even know the final time. tally, but a lot, yes. Yeah. And I mean, in fact, to the point where his music career was really kind of stagnating in the 60s, but he was pumping out films on the regular. And then there was an album that went with the film. Right, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there was music involved, but it wasn't so much like he was necessarily creating great music. What an actor. He was just on the screen, right? Yeah. Um, but then the Beatles, even, you know, one of our Hard days you know, sort of most revered pop music bands mm, of all time, you know, Hard Day's Night is is one of those classic uh, instances. And the of, purpose the purpose there is is a money grab, or is it more to just expand the the, the catalog of the band with a with a, a visual element <laughs> with this new thing that we're doing called I, just permeating yourself in the culture? I feel well. I mean, I think I, I think there's a lot. I mean, I, I think when you look at um, you know Elvis, I, I think it feels a lot like money grab. <laughs> I mean, I I. I with the exception of Clambake, which is an absolute classic. But that... <laughs> I joke a little. But, but you know, most of his films, I feel like, are fairly disposable. Uh, at least at least from my perspective, yeah. right? right? But, um, but, but he's a commodity that, said, that will make money, so let's yes, put him on the screen. That said, Hard Day's Night is a great film. Certainly. You, you take a look at that. Richard Lester, great visual artist. I mean, this guy really did some cool stuff with the cinematography, with the storytelling. I mean, it's very... um, It's frenetic. It's absurdist. it's, It's a fun movie... Even if you don't care for the Beatles, it's worth watching. Sure. Um, and if you don't care for the Beatles, check your head. I don't know what's going on with you. But, for real. Yeah. Um, but so, so I think like sometimes you can have both, right? I mean, like obviously that was done for a reason, but by, and I haven't looked into the history of it, but whatever serendipitous elements came together to bring a great director in, in conjunction with this great band, it worked out to be a really great piece of art yeah. that I think actually is worth paying attention to. So so you have some of those like that. Magical Mystery Tour, maybe a little less so. Y- Yellow <laughs> Submarine. <laughs> so, so, I mean, the Beatles had... It was had Help some, a movie? Yes. Yeah, it was. That's what I thought. Uh, yeah. And I mean, so, you know, may, maybe not not quite everything that, that that was done but um but there are some i think throughout time that ha- that have stood out and for me one of those and one of the ones that i think i became first acquainted with and thinking about a pop music artist having this kind of on-screen presence that told some version of that artist's story was purple rain <sighs> um you know th- this was an album that in my childhood was huge and that probably I saw the film before I really should have. 
<laughs> this would have been, I think, 84. Yes, right. And, and, I, and I didn't see it when it was out in the theater, but it right. probably wasn't too long after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, here's a film that was really about creating this sort of, um, this character that's very much modeled after Prince himself. Sure. Um, but, but a fictionalized version. Right. And doing that and delivering these songs that are some of his best songs of his career. That's a fantastic album. And, yeah, it um, and, and just in a, in a great setting. And I mean, also bringing in The Time, which great band from the era that he, that he sort of uh, helped. And, and, more and Stay in the Motherfucking Time? More Stay in the Motherfucking Time, that's right. <laughs> um, so I don't know. What, for, for me, Purple Rain kind of stands out as, as one of those first experiences that I had with a pop music artist who really kind of brought across this vision of his own music to a... To the audience through something longer than just. The Do you recall music the video. time that uh, uh, Purple Rain came out? The time that the Thriller video came out. Yeah, yes, I remember that era. They're right yeah. there, right? Correct. Yeah, they were. Close. And these are pop, within a year too. Yeah, these are pop artists that are really at the height of their powers, mm-hmm. and and want to grab everything that there is to grab. But 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 with uh, Michael Jackson and Thriller, it was. Um, I, MTV is relatively new. I got to make these amazing videos. I want to do something exceptional that really, you know, makes a big pop culture splash. And I think that that this was Prince's answer to that. The idea of, well, I'm going to make a feature length film, and this is a fantastic feature length film. It, 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 it even holds up. Yeah. Because I watched it recently. Yeah. It, it, it even holds up, although it, you got to hold your nose at the '80s, the '80s of it. Uh, you know, do you? I, I, I do a little bit. I, th- I, I bask in the bit. 80s of it. I don't know. I, I love it. I mean, the, the excess of that era right. is, is, yeah, I mean, it is excess, but it's it's kind of beautiful. I don't know. Well, the, the music is so good mm-hmm. that, it, that it creates something deeper than just the narrative of that film structure. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you picked a winner in what you, what, what you brought to the table today. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad you agree, but it's, it, it really stands out. I mean, it, it was great to see, I guess, um, you know, Prince on screen. I mean, he, he's such a compelling presence, yeah. even when it was just music videos. But a lot of concert footage that is, that is shot so well. Oh, yeah. I mean, the... The moves that guy has. Oh yeah. I mean, like watching him do those splits and getting, you know. I mean, just it, it the, the guitar work that he. I mean, he. You know, we were talking in the first half of the episode about Childish Gambino being this kind of like everything he touches, he's just great at. I right. mean, he he's not just good or okay, but he's just like talented genius kind of level stuff. Prince is the same kind of artist, right? I mean, like we were lucky to live in the same world that Prince lived in. Yeah. And that he graced us with this great work. And you see that in Purple Rain and maybe its fullest realization, to, in, to my mind. Like right. when, I, when I see that film, it, I remember rewatching it right, right after he died just a few years ago. And it, it really just hitting me as hard as ever that, my God, this guy had everything. I mean, one of the best singers, one of the best guitarists, one of the best songwriters, performers. one of the best performers. Mm-hmm great presence just this like charisma that you can't and this mysterious charisma too like that not not because he was you know i think donald glover has a little bit more of a cheekiness and a, and a silliness prince has a sense of humor but it's like this kind of not a not a great one no it's not right but it, but it's funny it's kind I mean, of funny in it's awkwardness he did in some way he's not of this world he isn't and i i don't know he, i say that he didn't have a great sense of humor because he because he kind of didn't but in the last, I don't know, like, I don't know, five years he was alive or whatever, he appeared on an episode of New Girl. And oh, wow. he leaned so hard into that, I am not of this world. Like, he just appears and, like, he, he, uh, he really plays into like the whole like pancake thing, the pancake oh, myth yes, of how right, he loves right. pancakes, and he like makes Zoe Deschanel's ca- yeah. yeah. Well, he makes Zoe Deschanel's character eat pancakes. Like, <laughs> she's like he's like helping her through this problem, and it's like okay, we'll make pancakes, and uh, she's like talking to him, and he was like eat your pancakes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 
I, I mean, that shows some kind of sense of humor later on, maybe. But yeah. I'm sure there was of much more serious. But is it that self-importance? Because he always did consider himself to be an artist, and he wanted to wear that on his sleeve. Yeah, I am an artist before I am anything else. And right. I, th- I think so he don't... always knew he was the best. Yeah. He yeah. he is does not get enough credit for being one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Oh, I agree. Yeah, probably top five, if not top ten. Yeah. I mean, miraculous. Yeah, uh, often overlooked by you know, yeah, uh, in favor of you know hacks like Jimmy Page or you know Eric Clapton. Uh, not a hack, but overlooked, <laughs> over, overlooked by uh, for people like that, um, which is a bummer. Yeah. I yeah. will say that. Yeah, I, I'm, no, all, I, I'm. I'm also sad. Well, to because say that. because he also he got aligned more with pop than he did yeah. rock. I mean, I think he that, was a pop artist. He was, but it, but he could shred. I yeah. mean, the guy was like nobody's business, right? So I mean, it's it's funny, but I think you're right. Like I think part of it is the genre classification that yeah. he tended pop R&B doesn't tend to think about guitar virtuosity yeah. as much as rock guitar but, or but, blues guitar. But that's just a guy with literally so much in his arsenal that he can pick and choose whatever he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the problem David with your analysis, and not that it's your problem, it's just the the music business problem, is we pigeonhole people. Yeah, yeah. And Prince cannot be pigeonholed. No. no. He's one of those artists. Right, I agree. And, and Purple Rain is a fantastic example of of the, yeah, he, the he virtuosity to use your name again. Wrote what? it? He wrote it. He wrote the film. Purple Rain, the script for the film. He came up with the story concept. Okay, yeah. story by screenplay by somebody else. I, yes, right. There were there were two screenwriters, but he, he it. was the guy who came up with the concept and decided. Okay, and then his management kind of took it. And, and there's, and there's like this idea of like he sent a, a hundred songs, a hundred songs. Uh huh. To the directors and the producers right. and said, this is this is potential base material. Right. And they came up with those 12, 15, whatever, that make up right. the soundtrack. But how much talent did this man have? Yeah. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> well, and that, that's what, and I mean, we're, and I guess now we're kind of going off yeah, on yeah. a Prince episode right. here. But, but I mean, that. how exciting is it that... Great well, example. It's, it's both sad and exciting that now that he's passed... We're getting these releases, which the first one wasn't all that that great, or it wasn't all that revealing. But this next one that's coming up, where it's hearing his sort of demo versions of these songs that he essentially wrote for other artists, or that yes, yes, uh, by Prince or something like that. By Prince or original. Well, there was the piano one that was good. Yeah, that was good. But but I'm just saying, like, it feels like we're barely scratching the surface. I mean, he has what dozens of unreleased albums and music videos. When you go back to 1984, you think about, or I think about, the idea of how important the music video was at the time. Mm -hmm. MTV music, MTV played music videos, and that was that they were just a video music video jukebox. And and if you look at the videos from this album, they all feed into going to see the movie, right? And and it was just a big explosion of of, of of Prince creativity getting back to the child childish Gambino yeah. this is an explosion of his creativity yeah. Love Island one yeah. of the craziest things um, and this is probably my one and only contribution to the Purple Ring conversation is that I bet if I had to guess that there are some people younger people that have come into my record store bought Purple Rain that maybe don't know that there's a movie Oh, you're probably right. That is, I mean, but the reason that I bring that up is because you have a soundtrack to a film right. that is so good, right? That there doesn't, the, it doesn't necessitate the film, right? Yeah, like that is just a fantastic album yeah. by itself, yeah. but also a good movie, right? Yeah, which is wild. That yeah. it's so seldom that something like that happens. Yeah, no, I, you're right. What's I mean, the best song from Purple Rain? Ooh. When doves cry, was the answer. <laughs> yeah, you know I gotta go. When doves cry, yeah. that that that's Isn't let's a song. go crazy on that album too. Yes, and that that is that is the one song that I one Prince song that I have ever sung for karaoke. Uh, no, that, with my band, we, it was it was a cover. Uh, that, it was a cover that we did. I'm partial to that day. one because uh, I DJ it probably the most. That one in 1999, the most often, which I know 1999 well, it's a, it's, is on the album. It's a much better dance song. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're you're gonna yeah. I'm, Maybe so I'm just like I'm my father. Be partial to that. <laughs> never I, satisfied. I, I do. I, I mean, I do love performing. Why do we ones. scream at each other? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. So 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 Joe, what's yours? Well, I I I was. I thought long and hard. 
I, I almost went Blues Brothers, but that's kind of sucks. So I, I no, it doesn't. Fuck you. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> no the the it, Blues Brothers sucks, but that those are cover songs. Uh, yeah. Wait, you're, yeah. you're saying the music sucks? No. The movie sucks. The movie is yeah, awesome. The music Wait. is awesome, but it but that's not the Blues Brothers coming into their own. The oh, it, it sucks yeah. in terms of how it fits uh, into this into conversation. this conversation. Oh, okay. I don't know. So I retract my fuck. You. I uh, thank you. Uh, I'll fuck you instead. <laughs> but, but I think that uh, second episode. <laughs> I'm not even a huge Bjork fan, but I'm I'm drawn to for this conversation, Dancer in the Dark. But it's a completely different thing than Purple sure. Rain because it's not Bjork creating a project around her music, but it's certainly Bjork. Who's not my favorite artist by any leap of the imagination? Uh-huh. But Lars von Trier directing a film, uh-huh. where he says. Only Bjork, <laughs> only Bjork can bring this up. And if we, if you think about Bjork in the pop culture context and who the uh, typical Avengers viewer would go to that doesn't know Bjork, what do we know Bjork for? Her Academy Award dress, the Swan dress, when she was yeah, nom- when she right. when the song was nominated for Academy Award. But Bjork is Bjork, and if you like her, you like her. If you don't, you don't. That's fine. But the idea of bringing in a not not a pop musician, but a relatively well-known musician at the time yeah. to do something interesting. Lars von Trier going, it's part of a trilogy that he was doing, and, and he tries to to, to um, stay with the dogma thing, but there's elements of this film that, that don't adapt to right, that. Right. But uh, and I don't think we'll talk about this as much as uh, Purple Rain because it's not as well-known a film, but this film that came but out... it's worth you, checking out. And you should see it if you haven't seen it. It came out in 2000, I believe, yep. and, and it won the Palme d'Or at Cannes Film Festival, where the, the, the great story is that 50% of the people gave it a standing ovation, and 50, 50 50, 50% of the population were booing it. Right to the point to where the crowd and the, the the audience began applauding and booing one another about how they were reacting to the reaction of the film. <laughs> Going back to our Beach Bum episode, Carlos, there's not been a film that I can think of that's more critically split than Dancer in the Dark, and it's Most Bu- of it's Bu- it's Montreal stuff. It's Bjork being Bjork, and I I, I just I, I enjoyed this film very much when it came out. I was not a, a detractor of it. Yeah. It's it's got a great soundtrack. I mean, I this this was definitely Bjork is uh, a very revered artist for me. Sure, I, is that I, right? Yeah, I love her. I've, I've, I've when you this... heard that this was happening, were you excited? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was. I, I loved those first few albums that she had. You know, her debut album, Post. Uh, was it Homogenic? The then this was next, and oh. then it like this Selma songs album, oh. and I think I had heard the album before I was able to see the film, and these songs are very dramatic, yeah, and very sort of emotional, very emotive. And her her music always is, it, it's you know it's packed with that. I mean, her voice is so unique. Oh. It's just she does things with it that I can't think of any other singer who really gets into those nooks and crannies of of uh of experience and and sort of being able to emote in ways that I I just can't think of anybody else doing. So, it was really exciting to think oh she's doing this thing and it it is such a I don't know, gut-wrenching kind of film. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the story it's as dark and tragic a film as you're going to see and visually it's you know with being shot on the the sort of digital, low grade yeah. digital cameras that it was being shot on which like you said is this continuation of this dogma 95 thing that uh, that Lars von Trier was part of and that you know call back to our uh, harmony Korean episode that he also was with Julian Donkey Boy that uh, it, it was really just a powerful experience I now I remember going to see this in the theater with some friends and one of them this was a film where um, the the handheld cinematography there was a there's a lot of you know sort of jostling around and a lot of motion she couldn't sit through it oh, she she, there, there was a friend of ours who had to actually leave the theater uh, yeah. <laughs> she's like I can't do this this is too much so if, if you're somebody who's impacted by that seeing this on a big screen might might get you oh, I think on a small screen, on a big screen probably yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I would I would say if you're a listener and and you just enjoy the notion of seeing new films if you haven't seen Dancer in the Dark that might be your entree into a, a Lars von Trier kind yeah. of exploration yeah and that's, and, and, and that's a that's a 
deep dive. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I would say also, if you're not familiar with Bjork, because I feel like she's kind of, I mean, she's she's put out stuff consistently since then. Right. However, I don't think her profile is what no. it once was. No. So I have a feeling Definitely that some not. of our younger listeners will will not necessarily know who Understand Bjork is. Me, yeah. So. I mean, if you if you haven't tapped into to Bjork, I think you know go go back to uh, to some of this stuff. Watch Dancer in the Dark. Listen to some of those records. Um, it, some of her current records. I mean, she hasn't put out a clunker. I'm not gonna let you do to me, Carlos, what you did to David. I love Blues Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do to David? Fuck The Shining. <laughs> he said that. He said that. Though. <laughs> Listen to the tapes. He said that. Hey, that's all right. Um, Carlos, what, are you bringing something to the table? A film that you... Not a film. Oh. A TV series. Hmm. And I will tell you why, momentarily, I have chosen this TV series over a, a particular film. Um, the TV series that Guava Island, and this is going to sound crazy, reminds me the most of is Flight of the Concords. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh... Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Flight of the Concords, it follows a uh, New Zealand comedy folk duo that has immigrated. Do they, do they think of themselves as comedy? Yeah. They, they perceive themselves as being funny. Uh, I mean, they're specifically trying to make... The songs are trying to make you laugh. Yes, but I'm saying, like, as they're depicted in the show... I'm sorry, I'm I'm kind of interrupting and derailing, but <laughs> I feel like you're right. They are a comedy folk duo. However, in the series, I feel like they take themselves seriously. I, I think that... That's the act. In a way that we're supposed to laugh at. Yeah, I mean... That's the act. I want to say some of their songs are meant to be funny in the show, though, but I could be wrong. It's been a while since I've watched it all the way yeah. through. Um, it hasn't been that long since I've watched it. I guess you might be right. Um, they, they seem like two average dudes who are living in New York. Yeah. Who just, they, they're writing songs yeah, and wanting to perform them. Yeah. yeah, I guess you're right. I get, I guess you're right about the way they're depicted in the show. I guess I just always assume. Anyway, so they immigrate from New Zealand to New York City, and they're trying to make it in the music industry. Right. Um, but they're not great, and they only have one fan. Uh, Kristen Shaw. Right. Is this? Obs- I mean, is in literally in love with them and makes her husband drive her around to follow them to outside their apartment to their shows, whatever. Um, and the reason that I bring this show up over maybe a more traditional music uh, film like Eight Mile or something else is because similarly to Guava Island, when the band's songs are injected into the episodes, it is in service of the narrative. When the songs are happening and they're singing and they're playing them, it's about what's going on in the episode at the time. The mm-hmm. way when This Is America comes on, it's him explaining to this guy guava island is just as america as anywhere else is it's a you know anytime you have to make someone else rich to get rich you're in america and then when he's singing summertime magic he's singing it to rihanna about like how much he loves her and stuff like that and um so that that's for that reason even though the tonally they're drastically different uh Flight of the Concords is one of those shows that is just so good. I mean, it's so good. It's so brilliantly executed. It's hilarious. It's really pathetic and sad at times. <laughs> uh, I mean, it gave us Jermaine Clement, who has gone on to do a lot of great things. Um, it was an early jumping off point Rick for... McKenzie. Yeah. Murray. Yeah, Murray. Uh, it, it, so, yeah, it, it gave us Jermaine Clement, who was great in Men in Black 3. Everyone's sleeping on that one. What We Do in the Shadows. Taika Waititi directed a lot of That's those episodes. Right. That's right. uh, so you can thank Thor Ragnarok. For Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... I, I like movie, or movies and shows that are able to do that. If you're going to have a musical artist in it, can you weave those songs into the narrative somehow? And that show executes it brilliantly every single time. And then, of course, there are some times where... No, I guess every time it has something to do with the narrative. So I mean, yeah. I don't know. That's that's the one that stands out the most to me whenever I think about this subject matter. And I, granted, part of that is because it had such a big impact on my young life. Like there's uh, scenes in that show where they're having like meetings with their manager Murray, and they there's three of them. 
the manager and then the two guys in the band and they take attendance at the meetings mm-hmm. like you have to say that you're present at the meeting and when my band my sophomore year of high school would get together to practice we would do roll at the beginning <laughs> we do roll call at the beginning of every practice that's wonderful uh, and you know shit like that because of that show a film leaps to mind that I I, I might have rather talked about with us once Oh, interesting. Don't know uh, what you're talking about. Yeah, Glenn Hansen. Really? You've yeah. never seen once. The, and what about the commitments? But, that, but that's, again, cover band. It's a cover band. The, you're and, right. And it's a fictional and, band. I was going to yeah. say, and they were brought together for that. Um, that yeah, right. Yeah. They weren't a band that existed. They weren't a band. But, but yeah, once rides, Glenn Hansard was a, a singer-songwriter with yeah. a band. What was his band? Uh, fart. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, anyhow, I'm not familiar with that film. Yeah, once it's you should worth check checking it out. out and, the, yeah. and the soundtrack is incredible. And it de- and it definitely really brought good. him to a much bigger okay. audience. Anyway, yeah, it. but it, but but I like that you picked Flight of the Concords because I I do think that is um, a series that I mean it it was celebrated in its time to an extent, but yeah. I think it, it it still found a fairly limited audience. Very. Um, but so well done, and and one that I want to revisit now that you've kind of yeah, brought I it back too. up. Because right. Yeah, you should. It it really, I mean, those guys are hilarious, and they did they reformed and kind of like did some recent. They, uh, they did an album and a special recently, right? In the last like year, and I and I haven't listened to that or watched funny. that. I should, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but but I love those, those episodes that they did the series, the couple seasons that they did for HBO two, back yeah. in the late two thousands. Yeah, were really great. And they, uh, not Brett McKenzie, who I think was in the Hobbit. Uh, had a role uh, in the Hobbit. Well, he was uh, definitely in Lord of the Rings. That, the man, yeah. I, think, I think maybe both. Anyway, um, but Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi have uh, taken their uh, mockumentary film, What We Do in the Shadows, and have made it a TV series. But th- that's are, pretty they decent. aren't in it, are they? They're not in it, but I believe Jermaine wrote the first episode okay. and Taika directed it. Okay. And I think they have some writing and directing credits throughout. Because I've been seeing ads for it and, and yeah they, it's, it's an american version yeah of it. they're on like staten island right uh, right which is hilarious yeah um but I'll it's good check it out it's the, good. the film is great the if film it, is yeah, incredible yeah, they're funny guys so so it's interesting i mean like so so we have these you know instances where and we've kind of highlighted i think some of the some of the better ones i think or, or the more interesting ones where ooh, what about uh glitter that Mariah yes. Carey one. <laughs> we could highlight some or of the cross, bad ones. Or Crossroads. Or, yeah. The Britney yeah. Spears one. Hey, what, what was it? Wasn't there a Toby Keith one? Or wait. Oh, no. yes. It was called Beer for My Horses. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, when Justin met Kelly. Oh! oh. <laughs> okay. How did you remember that? So, so audience, we we don't want you to come away thinking <laughs> that these are all successes. We've just tried to highlight some of the ones that we think you would enjoy. Oh, there's some, there's some bombs. But there are some terrible ones. Yeah. But but in terms of bombs, Ice Ice Baby. How, how hard did uh, this Star Dragon? It's from, a malt uh, bomb. It bombed nah, for me, my brother. Yeah. This was hard to drink. Y- you know, the first couple sips, I will say, and, and I think you could see my facial expression, the first couple sips... You both made faces. Were, ...were kind of intense. I mean, it was a boozy... Very boozy. ...malty... Very dank. Yes. And you didn't like that? Now, once I got it, into it... It went past... <laughs> it went past acceptable dankness. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. On Joe's Dankometer, this right. is... Got- <laughs> my Dankometer went off the charts. Dankness overdrive. Um, Stephen but, King's newest film. I, but I, I kind of agree. I mean, I think, like, this this kind of gets us into... In, and we were talking about this on our on our past episode, uh, or our last episode, I should say, with uh, Dogfish Head. Like, they're 120 minute. You know, yeah. there's a point where you you push the IPA so high in ABV, you, you've gotten that malt bill so big that... More, it, more, it, make it, it a it, quadruple. It gets to a point where I'm just not like... I feel like th- there's diminishing returns. I and, agree. I and I feel like this gets close. Now, that said, I like this better than 120. I mean, yeah. I would more... I mean, it's half the ABV. I would more readily... Well, what? what what 120 is what like 13 14 No, it's like 18 or 19. Is it that high? It's really okay. high. Well, so 11 and a half. I mean, this is not yeah. as high as that. So maybe that's part of it. So it isn't as boozy. It isn't as 120 minutes is ridiculous. Yeah. That um 
to me, this this is one that, okay, it's palatable, but I feel like, you know what? I could have dialed it back and I would have had a much better drinking experience. So I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd find myself like, oh, I need Star Dragon all the time. I mean, compared to Within Us, well, yeah, Within I, Us I, would, is better. I would go grab the Within Us in a heartbeat. Agreed. This For one, sure. I don't know. It's, I mean, you know, it's it, it's hard to say because of how difficult it would be for us to get something from Anchorage Brewing Company. Am I going to pay? Like, okay, so what? This is a $20 four-pack. If I actually knew somebody in Anchorage, I'd have to probably give them an extra five for that four-pack. So <laughs> right. I'm paying 25 a four-pack plus shipping. It, yeah. So, you know, you're up paying 35 40 bucks for a four-pack. Am I going to do that? Fuck no. Right. But if I could buy this at, you know, Liquid Town... I'd buy it. For it's, I I think it's no, I good. Didn't, I did not enjoy the flavor enough to buy, to purchase. I think it. it's good. I like the flavor. I don't think it's overly boozy or malty. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is kind of a malt palm, I guess, but I, not in a way that I find offensive. Yeah. It's got enough like hot profile and aroma and almost kind of some kind of. It's not tropical, but it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, got some, got something going on there. It, it, to and me, it's, it's more resinous. It's got, it, it, it's, but it's, it's got, a little it's stickier. It's sticky. Yes. Whenever, but whenever it goes down my gullet and into my stomach, <laughs> yeah. it gives me that warm. Oh, no doubt. Tingly yeah. feeling. 11.4 is going to do that. But, I know. And but I the like, taste buds like need that. to be. It's doing it for me on the palate. Not, is it? But not, not in like a, oh my God, this is incredible. I absolutely love and need to have this beer in my life. It is good. Where does Anchorage distribute to now? I mean, like, we're getting this through beep, but my question is... <laughs> Yeah, my question is like like who has access to this? The, my Pacific is, Northwest. Yeah, right? I was gonna say. I think I think they're obviously Alaska, and then I think Whoa. they get into like the Pacific Northwest area, maybe down the West Coast. And I wonder if there's a thing up there where it's like <coughs> high ABV, high ABV, high ABV. Like I don't. Well, I don't think it's not exclusive to them. I mean, obviously, we just talked about Dogfish Head. The, to me, this lost points in flavor. In the pursuit of well, t- to the, me, qu- the quad, especially when you have this after just a few episodes back, having had one of the, a double IPA from them, which I think was incredibly within balanced. some kind of so oh, good, really yeah. juicy. It is oh, God, I'm so glad it we're bringing clearly, these anchorages to the to table. I want to try one more of their stuff. It's clearly we, not Anchorage as Brewing good. Company. What are you up to? Clearly not as good as within us. Yeah, so, great brewing company though. Right, I agree. I, I will keep trying their stuff. And I love their label art. We've already talked yeah, about it. Yeah, it's incredible. So, you know, I think I think it's really great when we get to see uh, musicians, artists in many different mediums sort of bring their talents to the big screen yeah. or even the small screen yeah. and and do it in ways that kind of flesh out some of the ideas and concepts in their music so um you know i think when it's done well great what as we pointed out towards the end there are other times where it's maybe not done as quite as well and 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 maybe but i'd love to hear from our listeners are there are there sort of instances that you think we missed that you think really should be celebrated are there ones that you think we just uh we we dished on at the end that uh you feel like are undeservedly so. I mean, maybe you're a glitter fan. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, but either way, engage with us on social media. Uh, yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show. You can find us on Instagram at Beer and a Movie. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie TX. Of course, Beer and a Movie Podcast.com. Uh, you can find a link to listen to the show there by hitting the listen button. Or if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts and or, or I guess iTunes. I was going to say and or iTunes, but it's the same thing. Uh, then subscribe uh, to the podcast. That's very helpful for us. Um, Joe's knocking glasses over. Um, <laughs> and that will keep you up to date on all of our most recent episodes. And go ahead and rate and review us while you're at it. The reviews are very helpful when you write a review. Um, and yeah, I mean, oh, I think that I think I just blew through that pretty quickly. That covers it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, let us know uh, if you love glitter. And I'm. I think that the, I enjoyed this a great deal. This was a departure from the uh, typical types of films that we 
watch and talk about and i like the change of pace that's right and 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 i think it you know we we didn't really talk about this as much but it's it's cool that uh something like guava island um has found a place through the streaming services that are out there these days so you can feel it in the streets on a day like this (laughs) the heat it feel like summer (laughs) 